Well, welcome everybody to the final message in our Infinite Hope teaching series. My name is Angie Lopez, and I serve as the worship director for this amazing group of like-minded and like-hearted individuals called Christ Journey Church, of which you are a part today. Now, I've been a part of this community for almost 30 years, and I've been on staff for over 20, and I only tell you that to say this. If you've been a part of something for 20 years, you gain some experience with it, right? You learn a lot along the way. Same is true in relationships. Any marriage that makes it to 20 years certainly has fought to be there. Even friendships. If you have a friend for over 20 years, you've probably had some ups and downs in that relationship. You know, you can raise an adult in 20 years. Hopefully, a lot of experience. Well, here we are in 2020, and no experience has trained you or me on what we're supposed to do next. There's no playbook, no manual. There are no minutes from the meeting we had the last time we made it through a global pandemic, right? We are all part of Operation Figure It Out. And between that and the lack of social interaction we're able to have right now, I think we're all getting a little bit cranky. <laughs> Speaking of cranky, I saw some kids' quotes on social media recently and with all credit to Live from Snack Time, great handle by the way, I wanted to share some with you, mostly because I can hear myself saying these things, especially in the last few months. So let's take a look. One kid said, I don't care, and I'm not getting any more cares today. I get that. But how am I supposed to know if I'm bored or hungry? They feel the same. Yeah. I'll just take a nap. That's how you solve that. Sometimes I fall down on purpose just so I can take a break. Hmm. These last two are for anyone who feels zoomed out. By zoomed out, I mean too many Zoom meetings. Here's one. I did not mean to do that face out loud. Yes, I've been there. And this one might be my favorite. I'm too sad for pants. I feel these kids, and don't look at me like I'm the only one. Do you remember at the beginning of this message series when Pastor Bill had us fill in the blanks with how God surprised us? I thought blank, but then God surprised me when blank. I don't know about you, but for 2020, I sure know how to load up that first blank. And truthfully, it may be a while before those second blank explanations, those surprises come to uh, clear to us, if ever. My temporary finite view of the way things were supposed to go in 2020 tempts me to be extremely dissatisfied. But then again, that temptation existed long before this year, didn't it? I didn't have answers for last year's questions or the problems of 2018, or any uncertainties before that. Living in the gray of the unknown isn't brand new. It's just really, really a lot right now. But we've always been finite and incapable of seeing all the pieces and connecting all the dots, right? Which is why this concept of infinite hope is so important. And I struggle to even use the word concept because for me, it's a truth. Infinite hope is real and God activates it in my life. It starts with him and it ends with him in this non-linear infinite foreverness. 
but an infinite perspective requires faith beyond the black and white. And that can be so hard sometimes because we live in the concrete. It feels stable there. We live in the scene. But faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Which begs a different question. If I can't see it, where's the evidence part? Well, let me ask you this. When you're really looking forward to something, you know that feeling that rises up in you when something hasn't happened yet? That sense of expectation that after this comes this? Maybe you've got vacation coming up or a job opportunity. Dare I say for kids and teens, uh, maybe the first day of school? No, better look forward to Saturday or Sunday. Well, whatever inspires that rising feeling in you about something yet to be, no one can tell you that doesn't exist. That's your evidence. That's hope. You can't see it, but you also can't deny it. And let me ask you another question. How do you express that hope? I would guess you don't typically express it with documentation, but with conversation. We testify to whatever thing gets us excited. We talk about it. And that's how we spread the evidence of hope. The Apostle Paul gave the Corinthian church a picture of the spreading of hope. He said, you show that you are a letter from Christ, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. I pray we'll receive that word from Paul in 2020 because the playbook tablets of stone don't exist. Instead, the Spirit of God is the ink and our hearts are the tablets and we become the letters of Christ who is our hope. We are the evidence. So we're gonna use the next few minutes together as a time to consider that. Earlier in our experience, you heard the word Selah. And we're closing our series today by pausing throughout this message to reflect on the things that we've learned along the way. You know, you'll find the word Selah 74 times in the Bible, and 71 of those times are in the Psalms. We can interpret the word Selah as a moment to catch our breath, to consider what something means before we move on too quickly. So the Selah invitation today is to think about the way God activates his infinite hope in you and then writes on your heart to make you a letter of Christ, the evidence of infinite hope for others. And we'll start with this. God fills us with infinite hope when we worship. Selah. Think about it. In week one of the series, we saw Paul and Silas in a jail cell after a series of surprises and detours, and they could have viewed those detours as failures, but instead, they don't argue with the no. They just keep on the go, and we learn from their story that failure is a part of the journey to faithfulness. Well, 2020 has been nothing but a series of detours and surprises. Will you still show up for God with your faithfulness? Because here's something else we learned from Paul and Silas. God still shows up for us when we give voice to our faith in praise. From that jail cell, they decide to start singing praises to God, and coincidentally, there's an earthquake that opens the prison's doors and sets the prisoners free. God fills us with infinite hope when we worship, and we become evidence of that hope for others. Freedom from what is finite and an awareness of what is infinite is the perspective shift that happens when we worship. Why? 
Well, because we're prioritizing God in our thinking and in our feeling and in that exercise of seeking first his kingdom, all the things are added to you. So for our first Selah pause, we're gonna meditate on God's filling us with hope as we worship. We're not gonna to wait to respond to the end of the message today. We're gonna to do it right now. And allow me to offer you the context of Thanksgiving. Psalm 100 says to enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. A worshiping heart begins with gratitude. It bows in the knowledge that all good gifts come from our Father in heaven, including the gift of worship itself. The ability to voice our thanksgiving, the ability to even feel gratitude at all. Gratitude is the antidote to pride and selfishness because it requires me to admit that someone besides me did something for me. So let's do that right now. Let's admit what God has done for us. Think through a list of the thank yous to God that you have as you enter his gates with thanksgiving. You can drop them in the chats or in the comment section. I'd love to discuss them with you live in the lobby following today's message. And if you're struggling to find your voice of praise right now, or, or maybe you don't even have a relationship with God right now, bring that honesty into your reflection and meditation and see if you can't find one thing that you are grateful for to Creator God. He's closer than you think, and He will fill you with His infinite hope when we worship. God fills us with infinite hope when we worship. You know, it's not really in our nature to want a king, is it? We kind of rather like being the boss of ourselves, don't you think? But you know what? That's a lot of pressure to carry, a lot of expectations to meet, a lot of answers to have. If you're in leadership, you know what I'm talking about. So how great is it to know that when it comes to eternal things, infinite things, there is a king and he's seated among us. What kind of a king lets us sit with him? What kind of king opens his table to the commoner, to the people? What kind of a king initiates a search for the forgotten in his kingdom? This is our king the Lord God Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth and nothing is too hard for him. He remembers the forgotten. He recovers the missing. He restores the broken. We explored this in week two of our series as we looked at a human king who modeled his own leadership after the Lord. King David remembers a promise he made and he set out to make good on that promise. Is there no one still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show God's kindness? And David finds out about Mephibosheth. Pastor Bill nicknamed him Fib. Do you remember that? If you missed that message, please go back and watch it because I promise you will find yourself in the story. You'll either find yourself as a Fib or you'll find yourself as a David. The truth is most of us will find ourselves in both. 
From the looks of things, Fib is going to ride out the rest of his life as a discarded, unworthy, inconsequential grandson of a former king. Anybody feeling familiar with, with those words? David, not a perfect man, but an example in this case, chooses to elevate his promise to, to show kindness to this family above the rightful opportunity to judge. He shows a kindness that crushes cruelty, a promise that powers through pain, and a trust that transforms them both in the process. But these aren't David's ideas. They're God's. Fib didn't go looking for the king. The king went looking for the one to whom he had made the promise. Not because he deserved it, but because the king promised kindness. Look at Titus 3 with me. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. That sounds like infinite hope to me, that we would become heirs to God's kingdom throne? Who are you and who am I that we would find ourselves seated at the king's table? Well, perhaps a better question is, who is this king of everlasting kindness? Because this everlasting kindness is God's promise to reach out for us with his infinite hope. And God can't break his promises. God fills us with infinite hope when we remember his kindness toward us. And when we bring his promise of kindness to others. Here again, we're part of the evidence, the letters of Christ. Hope ignites in us, then grows in us, and as it comes out of us, it becomes proof to others around us. The closest New Testament word we find for everlasting kindness is grace. Grace. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. So we're going to take our next Selah pause right now to consider God's grace and how God fills us with infinite hope when we remember his kindness toward us. That's for all the fibs out there. And then when we show kindness to others, that's for the Davids. Amazing grace. Consider this, amazing grace. How sweet that sounds. No matter how forgotten, how lost, how broken you feel you are, or you think someone else is, God offers his amazing grace. Receive that grace now and come to the king's table and step into the promise of infinite hope that God has for you. God fills us with his infinite hope when we remember his kindness toward us, his grace. You know, I remember a few times in my marriage, let's just say that if kindness was the bullseye, I didn't even hit the target. We're about to come up on our 18th year of marriage, 
speaking of God's amazing grace. And uh, I just vividly remember a few times in our marriage where um, I had messed up. And I'm not talking about the normal, maybe daily routine mess-ups like uh, forgetfulness or uh, lack of consideration, short-temperedness. I'm talking about a few big ones where, you know, you hit that threshold um, where you just know it's a timeout time. Uh, we need to talk about this. And I remember one time being so sad that I had hurt him. Uh, there weren't enough sorries I could say for me to feel better. Because that's why we apologize, right? To feel better? To get the release? No. We apologize when we realize that we have done something wrong to someone. And if you were to know Caleb, you would know that he lives out of this healthy place of forbearance. He's the kind of guy that forgives you before you even need to be forgiven. And he was sitting with me in that space, saying things like, you're right. I didn't like it. I know you didn't mean to do it, but you did it. And what's done is done. And I really don't expect this to happen again. So how can we move forward together for this maybe not to happen in our future? That was basically his response. And I don't know if I expected or maybe even wanted more of a punishment than that, like give me a timeout or, or give me the silent treat treatment, uh, but he had no interest in punishing me. When that conversation was over and my confession was over, it was over. Because I love him, I was hurt that I had hurt him. But here's what I want you to take from this story. Because he loves me, he believed I was more than my mistake. So he forgave me. He didn't want me to sit in my shame. He wanted to focus on our future together. I can't tell you that I deserved his goodness, but that's what I got. And it's hard not to draw the parallel between how Caleb treated me that day and how God treats me every day. Caleb didn't say, I don't expect this to happen again, so fix it. He said, I don't expect it to happen again, so what choices can we make together in the future? Let's do this differently moving forward. That's remarkable goodness. Not backing away, but stepping in. And I wonder if this is what the psalmist means about God in Psalm 23 when he says, surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. There's our infinite hope. Redeemer God stepping in with absolute goodness. He doesn't power up, he just shows up and goodness tags along. That's what overthrows evil in the world. That's what turns a failure into a future. God fills us with infinite hope when we trust that he is good. God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. God goes to work in whatever and works to bring good from it forever. He doesn't cause all things, but he assigns himself workspace in all things. God goes to work, Pastor Bill taught us last week. If you missed that message, I'll say this again, go back and watch that one. Because Pastor Bill helps bring such clarity on what Romans 8.28 really means about God's goodness at work in whatever. Not that all things are good, but our God is good. 
And so when he enters a situation, he can only bring goodness to it because it's outside of his nature to do anything else. Psalm 119 says, you are good and the source of good. And then I love the awareness the psalmist brings with his next phrase, train me in your goodness. Teach me how to be good. I told you that story earlier about Caleb because God uses what is seen to bring us into the unseen sometimes. He brings his infinite hope into clarity when we taste a bit of it through others. And that painful situation provided the workspace for God to do some good. Do you know how safe that conversation made me feel in my marriage? Do you know how much that deepened the trust that I have for my husband and our future? That when it's my turn to say I'm sorry again, I will be forgiven and loved through it? Surely my God's goodness is following me. God fills us with infinite hope when we trust that he is good. And as we pause again now to think about that, maybe now would also be a good time to think about the people God has put in your life, who he's brought to your life to bring goodness into it as his evidence. Selah. Thank you, God, for your goodness. We started today by entering his gates with thanksgiving, and we're coming to the final portion of our Selah experience in much the same way, because God fills us with infinite hope when we choose to be thankful. Infinite hope, is that even possible? I mean, isn't that kind of like wanting to know God's will for your life? Have you ever asked yourself that? Like, man, what's, what's God's will for my life? Have you ever thought, you might be asking the wrong person. I mean, why do we expect to get answers from God sometimes without asking God? So God, what is your will for my life? Enter the Apostle Paul with a little mic drop to the Thessalonians. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. How did the Apostle Paul seem to have such clarity on God's will? This question stopped me in my tracks as I was prepping for today. I thought about it a lot. I asked the Holy Spirit to help me understand such a bold claim found in the scriptures. Paul knows God's will for my life? And I landed on, yeah. Gratitude is one of the most distinctive qualities of a Christ follower, a spirit-filled Christ follower. We've been talking about the Holy Spirit writing us as letters of Christ that become evidence to others of God's infinite hope. Well, giving thanks in all things is part of that evidence. Not for all things, but in all things. And how in the world are we supposed to accomplish that? Well, I think it's part of God's goodness at work, accomplished in us by him through his Spirit, a spirit that only comes alive in us by faith when we receive Jesus as our Savior and trust him for the forgiveness of sins. And that, without any doubt, is God's will for everyone. 
So if the ability to give thanks in all things points to the spirit of the living God alive in me, then yes, Paul, you did know God's will for my life, and I thank you for writing it down. I mentioned earlier how gratitude is the antidote to pride, but it's also the antidote to things like fear and shame. It's the key to unlocking a thriving worship life and getting the conversation with God ramped up. Gratitude puts us in a posture of openness to more, more joy, more peace, more freedom, more hope, and God has an infinite supply. There's always more. Not so with a lack of thankfulness. A modern-day Paul named Billy Graham said that nothing turns us into bitter, selfish, dissatisfied people more quickly than an ungrateful heart. And nothing will do more to restore contentment and the joy of our salvation than a true spirit of thankfulness. Today, too, ingratitude and thanklessness are far too common. Children forget to thank their parents for all that they do. Common courtesy is scorned. We take for granted the ways that others help us. Above all, we fail to thank God for his blessings. Ingratitude is a sin, just as surely as is lying or stealing or immorality or any other sin condemned by the Bible. One of the Bible's indictments against rebellious humanity is that although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. An ungrateful heart is a heart that is cold toward God and indifferent to his mercy and love. It's a heart that has forgotten how dependent we are on God for everything. I don't know if that wrecks you a little bit like it does me, but I don't just want to know God and miss out on being filled with his infinite hope because I spend my energy on complaining and criticizing instead of focusing my energy on praising and glorifying. I want to elevate the promise of infinite hope over the discouragement of 2020 and over the noise of anything else. Do you want to join me in that? What if 2020 is one big forced Sela invitation from God? the chance to pause, consider, evaluate. You've already been doing it. And if we believe that God is always at work, then friends, he's got his sleeves rolled up right now from his infinite position, and he's inviting us to get to work with him. Well, wait a minute, Angie. First you say to take a pause, and now you say get to work. Which is it? Well, you know, in music, the pause is what makes the music work. When we don't pause at the right times, when we don't take a breath, all you get is noise. The pause is part of the work. So what does our work look like? What do we take from the COVID Selah? Well, we accept God's invitation into his infinite hope through praise, kindness, goodness, and gratitude. Let me tell you how I'm going to try to do it. Number one, I will praise God always, not just when I feel like it, but especially when I don't. These are the moments when I'm most in need of a shift in my perspective. Number two, I will receive God's kindness and then go be kind. Number three, I will trust that God is good and believe that he is at work for my good. And finally, I will choose 
to be thankful. Because thankfulness isn't always my first feeling. Thanking God is an act of decisive thinking. So think to thank in all circumstances. This is God's will. And here's some more good news. His will helps our will. He encourages us to feel like it. It is God who works in us to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. There God goes again, working his goodness. And one more thought. If God is encouraging us, let's become the evidence of that by encouraging others. Let's be hope for others. God deserves our ultimate gratitude, but who else in your life deserves a little thank you too? Who are you grateful for? What if you called five people who have blessed you, have done something for you, reconnect with them and say, hey, thanks for... It really meant a lot to me that time that you... Remember when you... And your gratitude doesn't have a shelf life. So you can do this anytime you want. It doesn't expire. Let them in on it. You know what I think will happen? I think they will be inspired to do the same for others. Send a text, a card, deliver flowers or food. If their love language is, is hugs and kisses, well, we may need to wait a little longer for that one. But show your gratitude and spread the hope. You know those kids quotes I opened with earlier? They weren't all about complaining. Some of them were encouragements. Maybe these will give you some new ideas to try for this new normal. There was one I think who needed an internal pep talk because it said this. I made a card for myself because I'm the best. Maybe we adults could take a little cue from this exercise and humbly and truthfully write a note to ourselves, reminding our own heart and mind of how God has gifted us to contribute to his world. Another child said, I am hugging you with my mind. COVID got you feeling like that? Well, call someone up and tell them, I miss you and I'm hugging you with my mind. And then there's this one. And this makes me think about the day when we can be safely back in each other's physical space as we were meant to be. I have a lot to say. Maybe you should get some popcorn. So great. Remember when we used to like do that in a movie theater? Order a big tub of popcorn and pass it down the row and like everybody would put their hands in it? Speaking of movies, what a movie, what a story is being written on each of our lives right now. Not on stone tablets, but on our hearts with Holy Spirit ink. It's a love story, you know. It's where the most high God of all creation thought enough about you to create you and write you into it. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift, the gift of infinite hope, as the God of all that is seen and unseen makes himself known in the person of Jesus Christ, his son. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else and he holds all creation together. 
sounds pretty infinite. This is our hope. Our story ends in the infinite. Our story ends in the infinite. Selah. What a finite calls the end, infinite God calls the beginning of forever. And this is the secret. Christ lives in you. This gives you assurance of sharing his glory. In a world that uh, measures each other in likes and boosts and shares and retweets and views, maybe now's a good time for the church to measure ourselves by boosting and sharing God's glory. Can we pray together? Lord Jesus, we say yes to the work you are doing in us the work of your will that inspires us to join you in it. And above all, we thank you. May we never be so far removed from our gratitude because we've forgotten who you are and what you've done. And as we bring you our thanksgiving, God, captivate us with your infinite hope and a future together with you. For the rest of our finite lives here on this earth and into the infinite life, we will share with you for eternity. If you're a Christ follower, take a Selah moment to reflect on your hope. But if you're feeling lost today without the assurance of hope right now, today can be the day that that changes for you. You can experience a hope that no situation and no person can ever take away from you. It's offered to you in God's son, Jesus, and it begins the moment you say, I believe. You can pray like this. Lord Jesus, I believe that on my own, I can't create hope, but through you, my hope will never end. I trust you for the forgiveness of my sins. You made that possible with your death on the cross, and now I choose to receive your gift of salvation by faith as I step into a new life with you. You are Jesus the Christ not only resurrected from the dead, but also right now resurrecting in my very soul. Thanks be to God for this indescribable gift. Selah. You'll have an opportunity in just a moment to let us know if you said that prayer today. And I really hope that you will. And right now, for everyone, everyone listening in, let's resist that urge to sign off and close out Let's take our final Selah pause together as we consider our infinite hope.